Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. This is a special WrestleMania 36 review show. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I am joined here via phone and quarantine from Connecticut, the mayor of Kicking Out at Two, Dave Rosenbluth. Dave, how's it going, bud? What's going on, man? What's up? Oh, not much. Just enjoying the weather out here in Maryland. Uh, you know, I, I've I've been doing these outdoor um, podcasts now with you. Uh, I enjoy it though. Um, it's it's a little different than sitting in the office in my studio. Uh, my my roommates are here and working as well, so everybody's quarantined and trying to get get their shit in, brother. Um, <laughs> so that that's how that's how it's going with me. How's it going with you? Yeah, I, I know the feeling. I mean, my you know. My studio was kind of jacked over and taken over, I should say, um, Brother by my Jack. wife. So uh, she, uh, she she's working partially from home and partially from the office. So uh, a lot of my podcasting has been uh, through the phone. Uh, I actually recorded a few episodes of Kicking Out at Two through my iPhone. Nice. Um, which should be very interesting. Um, but yeah, you know, just trying to make the best of it. Um, and uh, you know, try and just like everyone else, everyone's struggling in some form or fashion, and uh, you know, just trying to make the best of it. And uh, with these podcasts, you know, it, it gives me something to do, obviously, but it also gives our listeners some content to listen to during this quarantine period. You know what I mean? People who have never listened to us before, or people who are faithful listeners of you know the Retromania Network and kicking out it too. So um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm happy to do all these with you. Um, I. I Excuse me. Don't have the corona, by the way. <laughs> Please um, don't. Uh, but um, you know, happy to do all these with you and and just put out fresh content for our listeners. Um, you know, if, if I can bring some kind of levity to this situation to people that are you know adversely affected by this, um, then you know it's my pleasure. So uh, I'm really looking forward to just chatting it up with you. Uh, I had a great talk with you in the the last podcast. Uh, that we did the dream matches, the WrestleMania dream matches. That was a lot of fun. Absolutely. So um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely looking forward to recapping this um, this this very unique and different version of this year's WrestleMania that took place over the last two nights. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like you said, we have plenty of content. If you're a first-time <laughs> listener, you can find us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher. Podbean is our home. Um, you can always find us on Facebook. We have a nice little community there. Dave also has a community on Facebook as well, and his own podcast, Kicking Out at Two. Dave, you want to let everybody know what's going on in Kicking Out at Two? I know you've uploaded a lot of content, so there's plenty of uh, plenty of stuff to put in your ears, and plenty of um, hours on our archive as well. There's over 300 hours, over 215 podcasts, and they're all evergreen. It uh, you can listen to the first one, and it will sound like it's it's current and relevant today because it's talking about old school wrestling um so if you have time do your chores uh do your quarantine um listen to us put us in your ears dave you want to let everybody know what's going on with kicking out at two yeah uh we, you know last our most recent show we celebrated wrestlemania 11 the 25 year anniversary of that with a watch along uh before uh this period of self-isolation and quarantine my brother justin came by and we watched that show from beginning to end on the wwe network 
works. So if uh, if you guys like a really bad WrestleMania, um, then uh, this one's for you. We had a lot of fun doing this one. You can find that on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, it's WrestleMania Watch Along on the WWE Network. If you want to watch it along with us, that's great. I would love that participation. If you just want to listen to it and hear what, you know, two wrestling fans that are not experts whatsoever, but are longtime wrestling fans and, you know, have formed a pretty solid, respectable opinion, I would I would think, um, then uh, come check it out. Uh, next few weeks, I mean, I can give you guys a schedule if you want, what we got going on uh, in the next few weeks. Uh, we have... Um, I think they said uh, yes, they want that. Okay, yes, they did? That was yes. overwhelming? Okay, good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we have um, a, 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 a series of watch-alongs uh, at, at, at about 45 minutes, 50 minutes a piece. Um, you know, because of this self-isolation, self-quarantine period, I had to change my schedule up a little bit. I can't have anybody over as a guest. So for the next four weeks, we're going to do some watch-alongs on kicking out of two. Um, this, this week, we're going to have uh, uh, the April 3rd, 1995 edition of Monday Night Raw. It was the day after WrestleMania 11. Uh, most people remember the day after uh, Mania episodes of Raw as being very historical and memorable. This is probably the first one that that you can remember, like the tide turning in certain storylines mm-hmm. that were that were from WrestleMania, and I believe it was the first live one, the first episode of Raw that was live the night after WrestleMania. Um, and it was in its two-year existence at the time, so we watched that back. Um, that was the night that Shawn Michaels had turned babyface and Sid, Psycho Sid turned on him yes. uh, following his loss to Diesel. So we watched that episode back of Raw the following week. Uh, we'll have an episode of Monday Nitro, and it was just very random. Nothing really spectacular took place on this episode of Nitro, but I read the review for it, and I thought, oh, this would be kind of fun to watch. Um, Randy Savage versus Beautiful Bobby Eaton, Sting and Lex Luger versus Ric Flair and the Giants, Hulk Hogan versus Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan in a handicap match. So uh, that's from the April 15th, 1996 edition of Nitro. And, and like I said, these are all 45, 50 minutes because I couldn't ramble on for two and a half, three hours. I, I would drop dead. I did it once uh, with the with our pilot episode, and I can never do that again. So um, that's why you'll get these little 45, 50-minute bursts of watch-alongs from kicking out of two. And then the next two weeks to close out April, will be episodes of ECW uh, on TNN uh, from the WWE Network uh, from April the 21st and April the 28th. It was in the midst of their storyline where they had the network kind of taking over ECW and you you had some appearances from guys like Dusty Rhodes. I believe one of those episodes is the episode where um, Justin Credible wins the ECW heavyweight title from Tommy Dreamer. So we'll have that on the network or on the uh, the watch along. Um, got a Money in the Bank retrospective coming up in early May, where I where I uh, I, I reimagine the the concept of the Money in the Bank ladder match had it begun at the inaugural WrestleMania in 1985. So I'm booking uh, Money in the Bank ladder matches from WrestleMania one all the way to WrestleMania 20, and the Money in the Bank cash-ins from those WrestleMania Money in the Bank ladder matches um, in May, and then. Uh, just a, a whole bunch of other stuff I'll, I'll, I'll announce in the near future. But that's just a, a little bit of what is to come for Kicking Out at Two. You can find us on Facebook by searching Kicking Out at Two. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at Two, as well as our Twitter. Our Twitter handles at Kicking Out Two, K I C K N O U T, and the number two. Um, 
yeah so uh hit us up on facebook like us on facebook follow us on twitter and uh you know self-isolate and self-quarantine with not only kicking out of two but the retromania pro wrestling podcast network and our extensive library that's right thanks dave sorry that was uh becky lynch showing up in the background uh if you heard the truck uh, no, I did not, but uh, that's pretty cool. I'm glad that she can make it today. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so let's let's get into this review. I want I want to I want to you know like want to make it just as quick and uh, quick and fluid. Painless. Yeah, quick, fluid, and painless as uh, the WrestleMania matches have been. Um, I, 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 overall, I I I give it two thumbs up. Um, I, I really do. That's just going into it right off the bat. Before we get into any detail, what are your, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Night one, it was a little tough to watch. Um, as an old school fan, you know, not, you know, you're, you were expecting, you know, with certain moves that guys perform, you're expecting a certain reaction from an audience, and you don't get that reaction, mm-hmm. and it, it kind of makes some things fall flat. But, you know, the, the effort amongst the talents and the performers is definitely there. I appreciated it um, from night one. Um, you know, um, overall, I, given the circumstances, they did the best that they could to entertain us. Yes. And I can't fault them for that. And there was some stuff that, you know, I'll probably forget about. And then there was some stuff that was pretty memorable that, you know, I'm sure we'll discuss um, as this as this recording goes on. But... Overall, I, it was it was a nice distraction, to say the least, from what we're t- from what we're dealing with in the real world. You know, they were in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. If they entertained us, it was in front of no one, and people were still complaining. If they didn't entertain us, we would have people saying, "Why is WWE doing something to put a smile on our face?" Absolutely. You know, so I give them credit for for really pushing forward and doing this show. Um, uh, you know, and over the course of two nights, that was the other thing that made it that I, as to why I give it a thumbs up. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't a five or six hour, you know, WrestleMania like we've seen the last few years. And I think that also helped the quality of the shows that they were two nights. Um, and it would, we could talk about this further if you'd like, but this would not surprise me if they entertain the idea of doing another two night WrestleMania. Oh, absolutely. In the, in the future. Absolutely. Um, the way they had to stack the card, it, it was almost as if, uh, this, this coronavirus was a blessing in disguise for them. Um, uh, I mean, of course you're a, a loss of money and revenue for not being able to get into the stadium, not drawing as much merchandise. Um, but, but man, they, they did what they had to, they, they didn't want to, um, they didn't want to move. Vince was firmly in place of still putting on WrestleMania. And I, I damn if he didn't put on a, a good WrestleMania. Um, and that's, let's, let's go into detail then. Um, we opened the show with Stephanie McMahon giving us a little message, um, saying that this is going to be the actual, like, um, the, the, the breath of fresh air for everybody in this time of, uh, hard breathing, if you will, (laughs) um, time where you need to wear a face mask. And then we get the, uh, the, the America, the beautiful, basically a montage. Um, I, I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, instead yeah, of bringing same. somebody in, you know, we, we get the, the classic WrestleManias. Because this is, again, this is like uh, an, an enclosed, like, this is an isolated 
event right now. So yep. they, they want to bring us back and give us the memories of WrestleMania. And they, they sure enough did with the uh, Ray Charles, a lot of moments with the boys to men. Um, yeah, definitely some good stuff there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I like the open. Um, I like the fact that, you know, she kind of opened and delivered a message and, you know, like a State of the Union address type of situation where, you know, we're here to entertain you during this uh, this time of uncertainty, um, you know, and this is an unusual WrestleMania, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of like, a, you know, their way of like saying, like, we're here to and we're here to to distract you from what's going on in the real world. And I thought it was, I thought it was well done. And even the montage too, with all the, the, um, the prior performances of America, the beautiful, I thought it was, I thought it was a good open. Absolutely. And now are you surprised it was not Vince? Um, no, because it seems like over the years, the last several years, they are slowly, they're slowly shifting the focus to like Hunter and Stephanie is like the faces of the company in terms of from a leadership perspective. I'm not saying like Vince will Vince will die in the in the chair at Gorilla. Like mm-hmm. I'm convinced of it. Like he's mm-hmm. he's that's what's gonna happen. He's not gonna give you know, unless something happens to him in a mental capacity and he can no longer perform his duties as an executive, um, he's gonna he's gonna die in control. Um, and you know, it will eventually the company will be handed over to, or I wouldn't say handed over, but the 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 powerful decisions will be given to Stephanie and Triple H. So I think that it was it, it didn't surprise me that she was put in that position to do that open, um, because at some point she's going to be the one that's going to be representing the company from a leadership level along with her husband Triple H. So um, yeah, I did. I, I I'm not surprised by it one bit, and I think also too like. If Vince were to have done it, and Vince were to have done it in his very own unique way, as he as he does when it comes to big speeches like that, the WWE does not adhere to viruses. We don't believe I, in viruses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. I know exactly. That's my point. Is that like if he were to have kind of like treated? Let's let me put it to you this way. I was. I, I had feared that if WrestleMania were to have taken place in the stadium and there were people there, that Vince would have delivered some big giant speech in front of all these people in the, with the same passion that he had delivered um, the speech to the the arena full of people two days after 9-11. Now I want you all to join hands together and prove <laughs> that... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But no, I, I think if Vince would have done it, I think everyone would have ripped it apart. I mean, people... <laughs> Nonetheless, that was the only time it was discussed. And I think they did a good job yeah. of just bringing it up at the beginning and then never again throughout the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's that was the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we get Ron Gronkowski. Fuck him. And introducing Mojo Raleigh. Fuck him, too. Oh, God. Could you imagine them with the crowd? Oh, uh, it would uh, be brutal. They would have been Those... shit all over. Oh, you kidding me? Especially those hardcore diehard fans over in Europe that like have like the, the most creative like chants in mm-hmm. like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they would have 
they would have eaten the two of them up alive. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, it was a blessing in disguise that those two idiots were the hosts and there was nobody there because they. I don't think with the way the audience would react, I don't think Gronk would have taken to it very well. I think he would have folded like a house of cards. Oh my god, yeah. And uh, Mojo would have just been like beat red and like stumbling over his words. Oh, oh yeah. Man. Woo. All right, so then we get the first official match, Cesaro against Drew Gulak. About 425, Cesaro picks up the victory here. What would you think? Uh, it was a nice way to open with the, with the little kickoff match. Uh, I like Cesaro, and uh, Gulak has uh, grown on me in this new role as, like, the coach to Daniel Bryan. I'm, I, I was really liking that, um, how, like, it was kind of the, the young, you know, upstart is the coach to Daniel Bryan instead of Bryan coaching the young guy. I, I, I like how they switched the roles in that. I, I think there's some potential there. Um, and I, I, I enjoyed the match. It was, it was a nice little physical hard-hitting match um, for the time that it was given. Uh, Cesaro is a stud, man. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Cesaro is this era's version of Arn Anderson. You can plug him into any situation and it's believable and he makes it work. Whether it's a stable, whether it's a tag team, whether he's in a singles role, you can you can Cesaro makes everything believable and makes it work. He he's he's a he's a stud. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I'm such a big fan of him. Yeah, and him and uh, Drew pulled off a, a solid match in four minutes. There was a lot going on. Um, Drew and him just that technical style going back. A lot of counters. Um, man, I'd love to see this match in a in a in a longer version. Um, Definitely. Uh, I, I feel, before we get started, too, in, in deeper context of all the rest of the match, matches, I feel like this is going to be built around a lot of rematches. They're going to want a lot of follow-up matches after this. Um, it almost feels like some of these were were left open, if you will. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, think, I, I think it was, given the circumstances... I think that worked in their favor to, to kind of book some of these matches and leave things, you know, open-ended so that they could revisit it later down the line when they eventually go back to operating under normal uh, circumstances. Absolutely. Um, all right, the next match coming up is the N- the WWE Women's Tag Team Championship, the Kabuki Warriors defending against Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, and Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross getting the victory in about 15 minutes. What do you think about this one? <laughs> It was a solid way to open. I think it went a little too long for my liking. It did. Uh, um, and this was like during the... My wife was watching it with me, and, you know, she she was already kind of tuned out. I mean, she's not a hardcore fan like I am, but um, she's, you know, for the most part, it was hard for her to watch this WrestleMania from, you know, both nights. She sat with me and watched both nights, and, you know, she was tuned out, especially... even She even said it. She goes, it's the first match in, and I can't get into it. Yeah, uh, you know, and so it was hard. Not, and it's nothing against the performers. It's just the fact that there's that elephant in the room that there's no audience to react to this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so you hear, and there are some other things too about this show, both shows that like made me wonder, like things that you don't re- recognize when there is an audience there. Like for instance, the commentary. Like the commentary, because there's nobody in that building practically when they're performing these matches. Can the referees hear what the commentators are saying? Right. You know what I mean? Like when the referees are talk, when the referee is distracted and the commentators make mention of that, can the referee hear that? You know what I mean? I'm not trying to poke holes in the logic, but I'm just kind of curious how they 
Oh, you could certainly hear it on the replays last night. I could hear when they showed some of the replays. You could hear Michael Cole in the in the on the table. Yes, uh, yes, yeah. you can. Yeah, I remember. And then even like you could tell like he was getting pretty passionate and loud in certain spots in just about any of the matches he did, and to the point where you could hear the echo in mm-hmm. the building of him yelling. And then I even think he notices it, and then he tones down his 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 voice during his commentary because I think he even recognized a few times oh shit I'm too loud a little too loud you know so I I think he did a great job though Michael Cole certainly um and you didn't want him to do it himself the whole night so having JBL there kind of uh you know gave him a little leeway and a little um a little break here and there time to breathe but you had to emphasize your voice during this Uh, I mean because what otherwise my my roommates kept saying it feels like we're watching like them training Um, and, and it did but the if you got into it and that moment of the sus- suspend your disbelief um, th- with with the commentary, it, it, it really works. Uh, this match was kind of just too long, I, I feel. And they 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 kind of got away from it with the last five minutes. And then Alexa Bliss ends up hitting her Twisted Bliss and picking up the victory. And we have new champions here. Uh, it's been a long road for these two coming into their own little tag team. Not a bad little tandem. Uh, I'll say, like, Nikki Cross has changed her appearance somewhat to, yep. to match that of Alexa Bliss. And it kind of yes. go, goes well. We'll see where this story goes. I, I see Nikki Cross can't always stay this uh, giddy character for too long. Correct, yeah. No, She's got to snap. 100%. She's got to snap at some point. Yeah, um, oh yeah, no, I, I'm sure they will. I think also, too, a big part of why they're keeping them together is because Alexa has suffered... A, a fair amount of concussions ah. um, in a short period of time. So they 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 have a lot invested in her, and I think in a tag team role, they want to protect her, to protect their investment as long as they can. So I think that's why she has been paired up with Nikki Cross because you know in a tag team match, obviously you lighten the load by having another person go in there and do a, a fair amount of the work. So um, I think that's a big part of this to why she's. She's not in a singles role because they they really want and have big things planned for her um, as a part of their women's division. So this is just like a, a way to protect her her health for the time being. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on to the next match, Elias defeats King Corbin in nine minutes. Oh, my God, I hated this thing. Why was this even on here? This was like... I, this was definitely the 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 B part of the WrestleMania for me. I was oh, like, yeah. oh man, this this is terrible. They're not gonna. I wonder how they're gonna do tomorrow night. I mean, they better stack it. I almost was like, at this point, I was like, should I just wait to watch them both at the same time back to back? But I was like, nah, I'll just I'll just I'll just I'll just stick with it. Um, yeah. I mean, Elias and King Corbin, two projects I just don't get. I just don't get these projects, and I like the guys are okay in the ring, but you, the characters that they have them as right now are just hokey. Elias has a face I don't approve. Um, he needs to be a heel, a slimy heel. Um, yeah, and yeah. Can yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not really big on Elias. I've never really gotten him. As, as you know, 
other people think that you know he's great, but I, I like you. I don't buy him as a baby face. Uh, number one, number two, like I feel like there needs to be more with him. Like yeah. you know, this whole musical act and hardly wrestling, and I don't know. Like I just feel like there needs to be more with him. Like I, I need I need more from him. It's just the whole musical act's not going to work for me. It worked, you know as a youngster with honky talk man and prolonging singing and same thing with like Jeff Jarrett. But at some point, like, you know, you kind of got to show me as a, as a, as a fan, what you got in the ring. And I'm not saying that he's bad in the ring because I think he, he's pretty solid in the ring, but I don't know. I'm just not, it, the, the, it's, his character's not connecting with me. Corbin, on the other hand, he's making strides and efforts to really get people to hate him. Because in today's world of wrestling, it's hard for fans to really hate a heel. And so, at least he's making the effort there. Um, right. And I think he's a better in-ring performer than Elias, personally. But I had no interest in this match. Honestly, I was kind of hoping this match would be canceled. Or maybe it would turn into like somebody returning as a surprise <laughs> to defend Elias. To take on Corbin after they did the Lion King spot when he fell off the fucking the balcony or whatever. Like Corbin, I, I, No! Yeah, Long exactly. live the king. <laughs> exactly. So I had no desire. And, like, and the placement of this match, too, I don't know what it was, but it was like they were just trying to get the shit out of the way. I think uh, so. And I was just like, wow, two in a row that have just kind of gone longer than I would have hoped. I'm like, this isn't really a good start to this WrestleMania. So. No, no. Um, then we kind of get into second gear a little bit, but we're still coasting. It's the... Raw Women's Championship. It's Becky Lynch defeating Shayna Baszler in 830. Um, basically doing the Bret Hart spot um, that we know so well and holding the sleeper and uh, countering into a pin. I really feel like Shayna Baszler has lost steam due to the lack of TV time that we've we've been given for actual in-ring stuff and uh, making her look like a like a vicious person. Yes, definitely biting the neck and then coming in with the elimination chamber. But we could have got more. Um, her being furious with uh, a little more aggressive with Becky Lynch, and I think this this almost sets up they have to go into a submission match. Um, yeah. So yeah, so this I, is kind I, of I, like I part A, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Uh, when it comes to her, like, I felt like her introduction to the main roster, like, with the biting of the neck, like, that was interesting, but, like, I felt like the follow-up was okay, um, the, the chamber match, I was really, I, I like the fact that they made her so dominant that she did, that she made all of her participants, um, submit, um, uh, or pin them in the match, but, um, it seemed to be before even that match was booked that it was the obvious road they were going on with her and Becky. Um, not that I'm some kind of expert here, but I'm going to armchair book for a hot second. I would have liked to have seen Becky help Shayna win that chamber match to ensure that she could beat Shayna, so she can get her WrestleMania match with Shayna to collect her debt because she's still got a debt that needs to be paid with Shayna Baszler attacking her. Sure. So I felt like the, the way that they got there, like, they didn't need to go through all of that. Until, mm -hmm. Like, I just felt like they, I don't know, it just, it, it didn't really resonate with me. The match itself, um, I liked it. It was physical. Um, I thought 
the two of them worked really well together. And um, it, I think it got the right amount of time given both girls' abilities and skill sets. And I, I dug the finish. A lot of people don't like the finish. Everyone thinks that Shayna Baszler is going to get Oscar on the on the main roster mm. on Raw and SmackDown. Mm. The, you know, she had all this momentum going in, and now she's just like everybody else. But I feel like that finish was done to protect Shayna and make Becky look like she just barely escaped, and that there's uh, the, that there's going to be a rematch between the two of them down the line. So I had no problem with that finish whatsoever, um, and I and it didn't hurt Shayna. To me personally, I don't think it did. But all the rest of the pimple-faced internet wrestling fans out there think that they're that uh, Shane is going to get Oscar because of it. I don't know yet, but no, um, I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it kind of lo- no, lost. No, I'm not saying lo- you. Yeah, I think it, I, I think they 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 are sensing that loss of steam though, and they're they're just interpreting it wrong. I think that she'll, bit, yeah. she'll she'll still be held in. Um, the main, high yeah, high regard, and in the main, the main uh, women's title picture for sure. Yeah. I think they're gonna definitely go with a submission match. Um, oh, and, I, yes, and I think that's, we'll see something like that. That's sure. where we can have Shayna pick up the t- uh, Baszler pick up the title, and then if Rousey is still feeling it, uh, they can go to that because I, I I know that's something that they they want to do is a Baszler yeah. and Rousey thing. Um, yeah, I, I know. I, I think that, uh, yes, I do agree in the sense that, like, she has kind of lost a little bit of steam. Um, but given the circumstances that we're living in, like, a lot of people's stories have had to been altered and changed up going into this WrestleMania because of the, the change in venue and the change in, in our life and everything else. So I guess you could say Shayna was a victim of circumstance here, but... Um, you know, I think the way they got to her and Becky didn't do them any favors because they had already they had already laid the groundwork and set the table for it. They didn't need her to win the chamber. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it was just it was just one of those like way too obvious sort of things. And granted, they tried to make up for it in her performance in the chamber to get to Becky, but still, I just wasn't. I really wasn't a big fan of of how they booked that match, like the way they got to it. They could have, they could have done something a little bit more creative to, to sink their, you know, for me to sink my teeth into. And I think from that point forward, that's where I didn't really have as much interest, but the match itself, I thought was a pretty good match. Yeah. Yeah. Just another victim of circumstance. (laughs) Brother. (laughs) Um, Moving on, we have Sami Zayn defeating... Brian, Daniel Bryan uh, retaining his Intercontinental Championship in about 8.30 here. Uh, Sami Zayn coming out with Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura and Drew Gulak assisting Daniel Bryan and then all those guys getting involved at the end. Daniel Bryan taking a risk and taking a dive onto Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro then coming back into the ring and eating a boot from Sami Zayn and... Uh, Sami Zayn picks up the victory and retains his title, uh, but Sami Zayn got his ass kicked for a little bit by Daniel Bryan. Daniel was laying it in on him, uh, definitely getting the use out of the empty arena and trying to to elevate this match, bring some sense of realism to it. And it's also the story of Sami Zayn is the shit manager that hasn't gotten uh, his receipt yet. So Daniel Bryan is finally giving it to him in this match, and and Sami Zayn took a lot of uh, a lot of um, 
a lot of a lot of blows a lot of stiff stuff too you can see his face turning red and uh the only thing i i will say is if this were at mania i could have seen this as daniel bryan having to face nakamura and cesaro to get to uh sammy Zayn. Because what a shame to not see Shinsuke Nakamura on the WrestleMania card where this guy was two years ago. Yeah, this was a... Um, a lot of people thought that this match was going to be the, 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 the show stealer of the weekend. And um, it, it, I wouldn't say it had potential to, but like given the... Once again, got to go back to the... You know, given the circumstances with there not being an audience there, I think this match needed an audience to get the kind of match that people were expecting. Um, it was a good match, very physical, and I thought Brian did a great job of trying to, you know, accentuate his positives and use the surroundings of an empty building um, to his advantage. Um, I, I that's, that's really as far as I can go when it comes to this match itself. I'm kind of with you there. I was a little disappointed Nakamura or even, you know, Cesaro. Yeah, he wrestled earlier against Gulak, but um, Nakamura not on this card, but um, you know, I'm sure that we'll get that somewhere down the line. But yeah, this was this was a good match for what it was. Um, I feel like though, had they been given a fair amount of time and they were in a stadium full of you know 75, 80 thousand people, um, I think we would be having a different discussion. But it was good for what it was, um, and I hope that they can have another match the two of them um, in front of a larger audience. Or in front of an a audience um, in an arena because I think that uh, I think the audience's reaction to the things that they were doing in this match certainly would have helped. Oh yeah, um, I mean I, even in the living room we were like ooh to some of the stiff yeah. kicks that Brian was giving uh, Sami Zayn. It was it was yeah. pretty stiff, man. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, uh, moving on, we had this interesting triple threat ladder match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. John Morrison retaining, uh, defeating Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston in 1830. Man, these guys took some bumps. I think they used the crash pad for Jimmy Uso landing in the corner at one point because they cut from him landing and then went down but that's great you don't need to take a bump that big but they took some uh they took some stiff ladder shots uh landed on the ladders pretty hard um some some great moves from these guys they're all athletic um all athletic wrestlers and then at the end we have kofi and jimmy at the top fighting for the belts and John Morrison grabbing both of the belts and being pushed off and landing smack back on the ladder and uh, getting up and picking up the victory for his team. Uh, thoughts on this? Um, this was a really fun match. This was probably was. the first match of night one where I was like going, ooh, ah, you know, like, and I was like, all right. Right, up, right off the break, they, they were doing really cool stuff. That they yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so I... Not that like I wasn't, you know, enthralled by Sami Zayn and Brian because I thought that was good, but um, on a different level, this match here, the ladder match between the three guys, um, they had, they didn't have to take the bumps they took with those ladders in front of nobody. You know what I mean? But right. they did that to entertain all of us, and you know, I, I applaud them and commend them. That's like that was like a 
an indie wrestler kind of mentality, you know, doing something to get noticed, right. um, something crazy like that. And they did that in this match here. Um, and they didn't have to do that, but they did it, and I appreciated the effort. Um, I thought it was really fun, given the fact that there was nobody in the in the audience. Another match that like where the the moves and the spots in the match you expect to hear the the, the oohs and the ahs and the this is awesome or the holy shit chance and you didn't get that but it was still pretty fun to watch mm-hmm. um I, I like the finish at the end and morrison grabbed both belts um i was kind of hoping that him and miz would win because i've been enjoying their run as a team with morrison coming back i've been, um, i've enjoyed his return but imagine imagine what these three guys or these three teams had Miz not been sick um, would have happened um, you know in a, in a stadium full of 75 80,000 people oh you know, my I think I, I honestly think like there was there was potential for these three teams to have like the the TLC style of matches that you know Edge and Christian the Hardys and the Dudleys um, had in the in the the late 90s early 2000s I think that they had the ability to to get close to that level of greatness in terms of the ladder match style uh, but I enjoyed this and like I said I commend these guys for taking the bumps that they took in this match with nobody in the in the in the crowd because uh, this was this was done purely to give us something a little extra and a little special because of the circumstances so uh, I, I this was the first match where I was really like not blown away but I was like wow like that was good that was really good yeah absolutely and kudos to these guys too for uh, being able to uh, redesign this match on such short notice um, with the Miz, you know, coming up sick. I'm sure they had to change a lot, and I'm sure they had a lot of great stuff planned. Do you think that they will return to this match with all three, all six competitors involved? I would hope so. Um, selfishly, as a fan, because I think it would be it would it would be even better. But and. I'll just put this out there right now since we're kind of, you know, on this subject. Um, it wouldn't surprise me that once things get back to normal, that they do a hard reset in terms of storylines. Maybe even we get another draft and they kind of move a bunch of guys around, um, you know, to kind of give everybody a fresh start um, after this, you know, pandemic and this self-isolation period. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we get that. But me personally, I hope to see it. Can I say for sure we're going We're going to? No, I really can't. But I, I, I hope that we, we see these three teams revisited in this type of setting. Absolutely. Moving on, we have Kevin Owens defeating Seth Rollins. Uh, first, the match gets basically <laughs> a DQ. With the ring bell, Seth Rollins hits Kevin Owens, and the bell rang while he hit him. It was like no mercy, man. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, but I didn't like how they went to the no DQ match. They should have just started this. They should have went into this match as a no DQ match. Uh, 17 minutes and 20 seconds. It went a little long. I liked how Seth Rollins came out uh, with his little Messiah new uh, gimmick. Uh, he's He's gone full Messiah now. Um, and it, it would have been interesting to see his entrance at WrestleMania, um, given the circumstances, uh, if we will use that. And then Kevin Owens taking this crazy bump from the WrestleMania sign, um, and then 
Seth Rollins doing the selling for uh, basically like he got the wind knocked out of him. He was like, that was an interesting touch. And uh, Kevin Owens hitting him with a stunner and Seth Rollins just collapsing. And a lot of shit talking from Kevin Owens throughout this, picking up the victory. Good moment for Kevin Owens. Uh, I, I, I mean, these guys, usually their pairings, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, but I think they they did they did something they did something special for uh, Kevin Owens getting his retribution on Seth Rollins. Do, like before you get into it or after you get into it, follow up. Do you think this feud will continue? Um, I will say that I was not the most excited going into this match whether it was going to be held in a stadium full of people or in an empty performance center um i was not the biggest fan of their pairings back in the fall of 2016 when owens was the heel as the universal champ and growls as the baby face not that these guys are great athletes but for whatever reason i just was not a fan of their matches no they didn't they didn't click with me for whatever reason and i think part of that plays into the fact that there was such a good chemistry with Owens and Jericho in their little best friend um, pairing that they had that I think that kind of overshadowed some of the the rivalry with Rollins um, at that time. And just the fact that, like I said, I don't think the matches were, not that these guys aren't great performers, but that I just didn't, the matches didn't resonate with me. That's just plain and simple. For whatever reason, I didn't care for their matches. Um, and so going into this, whether, like I said, whether it was going to be in a stadium or in the empty performance center, I didn't really have any high hopes or expectations for it to be anything special. I really wasn't looking forward to it. And I think that they brought it in this match um, with the roles reversed. I think the physicality certainly helped. Um, very physical right off the bat. Um, and they kind of like followed up from the physicality of the ladder match and just continued that. Um, I was okay with it being a straight up singles and then going turning into a DQ, um, you know, and then them doing the finish with Owens taking the big bump off the WrestleMania sign uh, onto Rollins. I was okay with that. I was pleasantly surprised by this match, and I, I certainly enjoyed it. Will we see this feud re- revisited later down the line? Um, I think we. I think Owens got his moment. Yeah, you know, in beating Rollins, and I think they're going to move on to to something else, you know, separately. I I kind of have a feeling Rollins is going to move into something um, higher up the card, and Owens, maybe Owens is going to revisit something with Samoa Joe. Maybe when Samoa Joe eventually returns, or put him in the United States title picture with like an Andrade. I don't know, but uh, you know, I think both guys are going to do all right moving on from this. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I I agree with what you said. I mean, it, it definitely took me by surprise when I saw this because I was not excited for this going in. Another one that took me by surprise because a lot of people didn't know that Roman Reigns couldn't make it. I actually did. Uh, but, yeah, singles match for the WWE Universal Championship. Braun Strowman defeats Goldberg in 2 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, what this he fucking do? Yeah. This was Goldberg hitting a couple spears, uh, Braun Strowman kicking out, and then Braun Strowman doing some power slams, and then twirling and doing a power slam. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Braun Strowman finally gets the strap. I, I, I've never been a big Braun Strowman guy. Um, I feel like this should have been Roman Reigns' spot, and uh, unfortunately, he couldn't. He couldn't come due to circumstances. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Do you think that they'll go with Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns once this is all over? Yeah, I, I think they will. They have to, I, right? I, I think they will. I, it may not be immediate, but I think it will. I think it will happen. Um, I. Here's why. Here's the problem I have with this. Okay. Uh, allegedly, they had taped this a week before. Okay. And it wasn't until the last minute that Roman Reigns pulled out, and they just so happened to have had Braun Strowman in the building to replace him. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Part of me feels like Roman pulling out was a work so that you can get people to tune in. Okay. Uh, now that's just a small part of me. I'm not trying to. I think there was some legitimate concern from him and the company in terms of his health Correct. and his immune system being compromised. I do think that there's there's an overwhelming amount of truth to that. But it wouldn't surprise me if this was a work and they had said, you know what? Why don't you step away? You can publicly say that you're 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 taking the 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 L on this one, and you know we'll. We'll plug Braun in and then get you back to Braun later down the line as a way to kind of get people to tune in. I kind of have a feeling that's something that they they would have done. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to say either way that it was a short thing, but um, I didn't like the fact that the they had a week to do. They had a week. They week. I'm sorry. They filmed this a week prior, and then in post production. They just announced that Keith Goldberg was now facing Strowman. They didn't give us any reason as to why Roman Reigns was taken out of the match or pulled out of the match. They didn't say he wasn't medically cleared. They didn't say he was injured. They didn't say anything. They just said, Braun's now going to wrestle Goldberg. Yeah. No mention of Roman Reigns whatsoever. And they had well over a week to do something in post-production. And they didn't. And so They'll, they'll retcon it later. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I was just, I don't know. I thought that, like, given the fact that Roman put it out there on social media, okay, that he was stepping away from the, from this match, and that the dirt sheets had picked up on it, why wouldn't WWE want to get in front of it? Yeah. I, I, that was where I was just kind of baffled at it. But nonetheless, Braun, he was hot two years ago. He's cooled off the last, you know, year and a half or so. Absolutely. Um, it didn't really... It didn't really feel like anything special. Um, and the fact that Goldberg can only do what he can do in the ring. Um, Braun wasn't the right guy, in no. my opinion. For not to, not to Braun wasn't the right guy. I'm not saying Braun wasn't the right guy to beat Goldberg. I just think Braun and Goldberg in this setting, it didn't work. Like, it, it was, there was there was no juice behind it. You know what I mean? There was nothing. Yep. And it just, didn't, it just didn't do it for me. I had more... I had more intrigue going into Goldberg and Roman because Roman had brought up the whole Goldberg's a part-timer. Absolutely. And when Goldberg beat the scene, everybody was kind of healing on Goldberg. I was kind of hoping they were going to go that route and have Goldberg kind of have a little chip on his shoulder and his, his angst towards the fans. As we all know, the fans aren't really big on Goldberg, at least the diehards, the hardcores. Mm-hmm. And so um, I thought they were going to kind of expose that and embellish that a little bit in this feud. But nonetheless, Roman stepped out. Which I understand, 
but it still wouldn't surprise me if it were to come back later that that was a whole elaborate work, but we may never know that. So um, as far as I stand with this match, it was okay. It was what it was. They had to do it to get the belt off Goldberg. He obviously wasn't going to be there any longer than WrestleMania. And, you know, eventually this is another part of, I guess, Roman's journey to getting the belt back. You know, Roman had to give it up the first time because of his health. Now Roman had to give up his title shot because of his health yet again. So maybe there's a bigger picture with this when it comes to Roman. We shall see. One more thing before we move on. Uh, I did um, over... Here, Kevin Owens was in an interview, like uh, a French interview, and he talked about the doing the match with Seth Rollins, and he said he, he was going into it with the mindset that this is WrestleMania, and he's going to perform like out of WrestleMania, and he said that the WWE also went through uh, a lot of precautions for safety. Um, everybody got their temperature taken after and before leaving the building. Um, before entering the building and after leaving the building and they also changed the ropes changed the ring mat cleaned and disinfected the entire place after every match so that's crazy yeah, yeah that is crazy yeah so we, we we're on uh we're on match number uh nine here but this doesn't take place in the ring let's go to this match here boneyard match the undertaker defeats aj styles with luke gallows and carl anderson in 19 minutes wow something very different definitely taking a lot of the uh, matt hardy final deletion definitely taking hints of the wyatt uh compound match um this is I wonder if Jeremy Borash had something to do with this. He did. Okay, he I, did. I, I heard that he was a big part of this. Great. This was this was this was done very well. It was like a movie. Um, it was definitely Vince McMahon's. He's gonna be like, this is my greatest achievement ever. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I swear. You know, it's I I heard great it took. Movie. Yeah, I I heard it took five hours to do. Um, and there's some photos that I saw, and it looked like Undertaker was having a beer and maybe a cigarette yeah. during this. So yeah. uh, having a good time. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, definitely that was uh, that was something very different. I will say, I, I was kind of disappointed that AJ Styles only stuck to the kicking and punching as well. Um, I can understand it with the limitations of Undertaker, but AJ Styles is an athletic person. We didn't see a Pele kick. We didn't see uh, Inzaguri. We didn't see any type of like, uh, you know, like uh, we didn't see too many flat, flashy moves from AJ Styles. I mean, given the circumstances, hey, that's our. Is this is the name of the episode? Given the circumstances. <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, yeah, you, you you can put that up there if you like. Yeah. Yes, given the circumstances, <laughs> um, I mean, yes, this is a boneyard match, but I I would still have liked to have seen AJ Styles uh, pull out some big moves, but uh, Undertaker coming out to <laughs> to Metallica and leaving to Metallica, uh, you know, being Mark Calloway more than the Undertaker, but still having some of his powers as he used the uh, the fire. And then he also used teleportation at the end to come behind AJ Styles. I seriously thought that was going to be Kane appearing in that moment, um, but no. 
they made it The Undertaker, and uh, Undertaker throws AJ Styles in and uh, buries him, and the glove is popped out, and I think AJ Styles will go away for a little bit, and Undertaker, we won't see him for Survivor Series, because interesting enough, after uh, WrestleMania Part 2, uh, the following night, last night, Sunday night, um, they, they had a little first look at The Undertaker, The Last Ride. Um, yes. And it seems to be a continuing story, uh, and they don't they don't tell you where they're going to end yet. And this certainly can't be the last match for the Undertaker. This is certainly something that the Undertaker could do, uh, continue to do, uh, uh, given his limitations. But I don't think this could be done in front of a live audience, um, unless unless it's the Undertaker moment. You know, could you imagine an arena full of people watching this on the screen? Uh, um, yes and no. I mean, I can, but you know, I can't at the same time. I think, um, I, I think, I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I can see the audience not getting into it at first because it's not in the arena, but then at the same time, I could also see the audience then, you know, over time getting into it. So, I don't know. Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. It is the Undertaker. Yeah, he, he does have some type of uh, magnetism towards everything, but nonetheless, that last ride, a documentary after, I, I think they're, they're gearing up for something, maybe a Survivor Series match, maybe another one last ride for the Undertaker, one last match, and they're going to document it all. It's been following him since 2017 uh, to 2020. It was an interesting look at the first 15 minutes of it. Uh, definitely interested and intrigued by that uh dave what are your thoughts on the match after my rambling sorry no that's okay i i, I have a tendency to uh to, to go around the block three times when i give you an answer so it's, it's quite all right um i thought it was great a cinematic masterpiece yes on, a, on, on you know a production level in a time where you know they did something different to entertain us um, once again, given the circumstances, okay, um, you know, like you, I had heard that it took about five or six hours to shoot this. I guess it took a couple of days to set up production in this remote area in the Orlando, Florida, um, vicinity, mm-hmm. uh, in, ter- in terms of like setting up a fake graveyard and that little barn with the, with the, the, the house and the roof and et cetera, et cetera. Um. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like you said, took a page out of, you know, Matt Hardy, Final Deletion, that cinematic approach to pro wrestling that has kind of had, you know, its flashes of notoriety in the last several years between Impact Wrestling, Lucha Underground, and WWE adopting some of that concept. Hey, Dave, Um, Dave, let's not forget one of the all-time classics, Hulk Hogan going into the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, that's right. Yes, It's not hot! Yeah, and what, well, you know, also, you know, if we're talking about cinematic masterpieces, we have to talk about the 1993 Beach Blast movie with Sting oh. and British Bulldog and Sid Vicious Invader. Oh my God, um, we should do cinematic masterpieces, masterpiece theater. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. In fact, I, I kind of had an idea before you even mentioned that regarding okay. the, the the Beach Blast scenario that maybe. Maybe we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll let's, let, let's talk. Let's but, talk. Let's talk. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. I'll have your people call my people. But anyhow, <laughs> nonetheless, um, 
I enjoyed it. Every aspect of it. You know, the the the, the music with Metallica, Undertaker riding on the motorcycle, kind of having a mixture of the biker and the, the dead man. AJ, you know, I didn't have a problem with him not being the typical AJ Styles with his moveset. I think with the environment that they were in and the story that was being told, a depicting a fight was the most realistic approach they could go with this. Mm-hmm. Um I love the fact that Undertaker talks shit throughout the, the majority of it. Oh, my God. AJ. Everything you know, he was saying was, like, from a movie. Yeah. Like, it was great. You know, Gallows and Anderson's role, uh, getting involved with the Druids like you. I thought we were going to get a Kane appearance. I was hoping for a Sting appearance. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, like that, you know, overall, I thought, like, they ended night one on a high note with that. And it made me want to see Undertaker have this last ride of a run um, and, and go out on a high note, not go out, you know, looking like a shell of his former self. That means that some of his matches are recorded and produced in this type of setting in, you know, a cinematic fashion, then that's fine with me too. Do, but do like you, you said, go ahead, go, like, sorry, you, sorry. like you said, this last ride documentary, which I saw as well, I thought you know the f- first fifteen minutes were very well done. Um, I'm really looking forward to that, but um, I, I think it's definitely depicting like it leading up to Survivor Series being the 30th anniversary of his debut in WWE. It wouldn't surprise me if they film even further out to that, and he, you know. It, it culminates with his Hall of Fame induction next year in Los Angeles, the 30th WrestleMania. It would be the 30th anniversary of his debut at a WrestleMania against Jimmy Snuka at, in Los Angeles at WrestleMania 7. Wow. Okay? And Think he is such a the- phenomenal, uh, you know, like polarizing character. Yeah, think about that run here for a second, you know? Like, his last match is at Survivor Series, then he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Maybe his last match will be at WrestleMania next year, and it's capped off with a Hall of Fame induction. Same way they kind of did with Flair in 2008, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah, that's a movie right there in and of itself. So, um, But I love the fact that they went this route with the Boneyard match, and uh, I, I really, it, it really made me look forward more to night two, because... And we'll get into it, I'm sure, with the Funhouse match. Um, it really made me look forward to not only that match, but just what they, how they were going to produce night two as well. Because, you know, they ended night one on a high note with him riding off into the sun, you know, into the darkness with the motorcycle. They had the symbol up and the, the pyro and everything. It was just so well done. Like, I yeah. can't even... I, I, you get Sometimes you got to throw logic out the window a little bit here um, and, and, and break some rules to entertain people, and especially during a time like this. They did a great job with that. Hats off to them. It was unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. Again, okay, now I'm going to be the internet guy. Do you think this is opening a door for a possibility to have Undertaker and Sting in that that, setting? In that setting? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Yeah. I I think it definitely opens the door. I think it opens the door for the two of them to, you know, in you, given their their age, given their their history with their injuries, their health, their respective, you know, health issues. I think a setting like this is the best that we're going to get when it comes to Undertaker Sting. Now, with with you saying that the last ride is coming up, um, and this could be his send off. 
I honestly think with this Boneyard match setting, he could go another five years if he wanted to. As long as he, he's he's able to walk and like take a couple takes and look in good conditioning, um, he can do this. Eh, I wouldn't go five. That's a stretch given his age. He's 55 years old. Ah, uh, true. And with his health now, you know, especially yeah. some of the matches he's had in, in recent years, um, I'd say a year, a okay. year and a half tops. A year is being kind. Yeah. Okay. I think a year, a year and a half tops. Like I said, one year is I'm being I'm being kind. Uh, I I think, but at the same time, I think you overexpose that concept by putting him just in these pre-recorded, pre-taped True. True. kind of scenarios here, and it kind of takes away from the unique feel of it and how special it could be. You know what I mean? True. Because I would imagine that you know with with Bray Wyatt the evolution of his character and the fiend that we'll see something in this similar fashion and we kind of saw it in night 2 with Bray Wyatt in the near future or in the in the in the future down the line yeah like let, said, we saw it saw it night 2 so yeah, let's, i don't think that they want to overexpose this cinematic approach um on a regular basis especially I, for someone like undertaker i absolutely agree um yeah um, I'm thinking maybe they could do that one with Sting just because I'm a Mark and I would love to see that. Um, but, yeah, I, you don't want to overexpose that gimmick and you don't want to have... Um, you don't... Like, you don't... You want... The wrestling, I think, is what Undertaker wants. And in front of fans, his last match would be... Uh, you know, he would want that in front of fans. Agreed. All right, let's zoom on through night two. Um, this one kind of felt... A little short at the beginning for me. Liv Morgan defeated Natalia. Singles match, six minutes and 25 seconds. Didn't watch this. Uh, I was getting food ready, so I didn't get a chance to watch this. I was getting food ready, too. Let's move on. Charlotte Flair <laughs> defeated... I'm sure they had a great outing. Natalia, your dad loves you. Uh, Charlotte Flair and your uncle, Brett, and Owen love you, too. All right. Okay, I'm done. And your other uncle... Smoking crack loves you. All right, okay. <laughs> Moving on, Kobe. Damn it. Charlotte, just cut me off, Dave. Charlotte defeated Rhea Ripley to become the NXT Women's Champion. 20 minutes, 30 seconds by submission. A great match. I yes. really liked this. Um, a yes. good outing for both these women. Rhea Ripley really showed um, that she can go in the ring with Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair, though, picking up that victory, she's going to head back to NXT. I think they need some more women over there to um, uh, be in the title picture for NXT's uh, championship, and they're going to shuffle some people out. And like you said, I think after this... Um, coronavirus issue they're going to uh shuffle the whole deck if yeah. for for each brand if you will yeah um but uh, i saw a funny meme that said i had to hit the mute button on the charlotte flair and rhea ripley match because i didn't want my roommates to think i was watching porn oh yeah because <laughs> they, they were, were screaming they, yeah screaming and the physicality the the the, the, the chops and the the forearm strikes and everything else like it was a very physical match um you know most most fans look at it as a burial of sorts of Rhea Ripley um with Charlotte defeating her I didn't have a problem with Charlotte winning whatsoever um, no and I don't think that this hurts Rhea Ripley at all no if anything this further um adds to their rivalry in NXT I can't picture Ripley going to Raw or Smackdown 
around if they were to do some kind of like draft or a shakeup or whatever. But um, the uh, um, you know the match itself I thought was really good, very physical. Like you, you hear those slaps and those chops and those forearm strikes and the blows to the back and the you know the kicks. Like it was just a very physical match that I I didn't expect out of the two of them. Um, and I think the empty arena setting helped enhance the physical aspect of their match. And I, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good way to open night, too. Great. Um, you're going to have to take the reins on the Aleister Black and Bobby Lashley match and the Otis and Dolph Ziggler match because I did not get to see those. Okay. Um, both matches uh, were, were solid in their own right. Um, you know, Aleister Black picked up the victory with the Black Mass after... Uh, Lana had uh, gotten on the apron and she was kind of screaming at Lashley to spear him, even though he had um, he had Black in some... I, I think he was going to set up the Dominator. Um, and she got up there and she was kind of like bossing him around. He he went to go for the spear, but he ate the Black Mass and then, you know, Aleister Black was the winner. Match was over and um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of leading towards maybe Lashley and Lana splitting up, which I, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be happy about. Um, but yeah, you can kind of see the look on both their faces. Like she wasn't happy he lost, and he wasn't happy she got involved. So uh, maybe we're nearing the end of the Lashley Lana on screen marriage. Uh, the the Ziggler Otis match, not a bad match either. Solid in its own right. Um, uh, Mandy Rose would end up getting involved, uh, making an appearance, attacking Sonya Deville, and then giving Dolph a low blow, setting up the victory for Otis. And then Otis got the big moment where he hoisted her up and laid a big kiss on her, and then they walked out together. And um, JBL was pretty funny on commentary during this match. He had said that Otis like looked like a he looked like um, a cross between Ivan Putsky and Hacksaw Jim Duggan if they both made love or something <laughs> like that. Like, it was pretty funny. JBL was pretty funny on commentary. He had me cracking up. Um, but, yeah, solid matches in their own right. Uh, you know, I think Otis deserved that big WrestleMania moment. I think the Otis Dolph storyline was very underrated. Um, you know, the, the, the whole beauty and the beast element mm-hmm. and the guy stealing the girl from the, you know, the, the outcast, the, you know, like Otis. I thought that was pretty well done um, and very underrated. It was definitely better than that love triangle with Lashley and Rusev and Lana uh, oh, gosh, from, a, from a few months back. But, um, yeah, solid matches, nothing really special, uh, but they weren't bad either. So that's, that's where I stand with those two matches. All right, yeah, I um, I came into Otis making out with Mandy Rose, the replay of that. And then we get Edge defeating Randy Orton in a last man standing match. One. This went 36-32. Uh, man, by man, this was another one. They went everywhere. Um, they, they damn near contaminated the place. I hope they went last. Um, because they were all over the NXT Performance Arena, uh, Performance Center, and they were brawling around. This was uh, a lot of high drama in here. Um, Edge using that submission out of nowhere on the top of the truck on Randy Orton, that new submission lock that he's been using recently, um, and then gives Randy Orton a concerto, but crying before them. A lot of uh, drama from Edge, Adam Copeland, um, and then I was able to watch the Adam Copeland uh, uh, 
WWE documentary after night two of this and wow just brought more insight into his return and how much this guy's gone through a nine year you know return uh, yeah. to the ring uh, and his, losing his mom and how much dedication the guy has shown I, I didn't know how much he'd like put into his characters and uh, designed his own stuff and uh, really put a lot of thought into this return and uh, man made him look like a superstar here edge has got to be top of the card top of the, the the most one of the most popular guys right now in the wwe for sure um dave what do you think no i love this match uh, some people said it went too long i didn't have a problem with it at all um and the empty arena setting fit their rivalry last man standing you know um these guys were all over the place i enjoyed it from start to finish um you know every uh, i mean these two guys are world-class athletes, performers, storytellers, um, and what I saw with these two, um, I don't think in a stadium full of people you would have been able to evoke the kind of emotion we got from both of them um, no. in this type of a match. And that's why I think like an em- the empty arena setting fit their rivalry perfectly. Um, the finish at the end when Edge was crying before he delivered the concerto, I thought that was really really good stuff some of his best performances one of his best performances ever yeah his entire career in wrestling unbelievable um both guys knocked it out of the park they really did randy uh, orton was really great in this yeah too. exactly they, you know, <laughs> I, I know both guys like i said both guys were just it, it was it was unbelievable I, I i really enjoyed it um I'm a big fan of both guys. I loved Rated RKO as a team. I both liked them individually. Uh, they were two of my favorites during the ruthless aggression era, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I really was just... I, I I can't find anything wrong with this match. And like you, I watched the Edge documentary. I actually watched it before Mania uh, with my wife. And she cried during it, and I almost cried. I mean, it was, a, it was an yeah. unbelievable story. Very inspiring, touching um, what he went through in between his time of retirement in 2011 to up to this point of returning. I just thought the whole thing was very well done. Um, and then to watch the match after this, after the documentary, um, it was, yeah, it, it was, it's probably, I'm going to go on record and say it's an early candidate for match of the year. Okay. It really is. I, 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 th- I thought it was that good. Nice. Uh, I definitely agree. This was one of the uh, standouts for the whole event, honestly. Um, Street Profits, D'Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford defeating Angel Garza and Austin Theory with Zelina Vega retaining their WWE Raw Tag Team Championships in 620. Uh, (coughs) A decent showcase from all these guys. Felt like a Raw match, uh, honestly. Austin Theory is a guy that I saw at um, Evolve before in Maryland. Um, wrestled the Velveteen Dream, actually, in a hell of a match. But for some reason, I just feel he's too vanilla. Angel Garza is a guy I can really get behind. Um, you've talked high praise on him as well. I just feel bad for Andrade missing out on this. Um, uh, and Street Profits are Street Profits. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan. We get the... Uh, the blow-off at the end where Zelina Vega gets involved and then Bianca Belair, Montez Ford, his wife, comes out and I guess she will be moving up to the main roster some. Um, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on this, Dave? Um, I was... I kind of tuned out during this match uh, and then uh, I was uh, cleaning up 
you know, food and doing some dishes. So, uh, you know, put some stuff away in the kitchen. So I did not watch this entire match. Uh, I only saw like the first couple of minutes in the ring and then I started, you know, gathering some things up and then I got done and I came down and um, Bianca got involved and uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, nothing really, uh, yeah, it was was what it was. I didn't, you know, get to watch much of it, so I really can't form an opinion, but um, you know, it's, it'll be interesting to see if, if Bianca is kind of part of the Street Profits package, if like she's their valet, but she also wrestles at the same time, or if this was just a one-time thing um, done for WrestleMania. Right, right. Um, we shall see. Uh, is there going to be a Raw tomorrow? Today? Yes. As far as I know, um, they, from what I read, they have television taped um, for Raw tonight uh, and NXT for the next few weeks, and that's it because the the city of Orlando had a stay-at-home order that's supposed to last till uh, this Friday, April the 10th. However, the state of Florida, I think, is is has already issued a stay-at-home order, and so therefore WWE does not have this Friday SmackDown in the can. Oh, no. They don't have it filmed, uh, so therefore. There's rumors that they're... It'll be a recap the show. They're, well, there's the rumors they're in the process of trying to find a, a, an undisclosed location that, that uh, you know, to film SmackDown. There, apparently, there's a rumor that they're going to be filming in a state that's already shut down. But, you know, that's just a rumor. Uh, but they're trying to put out as much fresh in-ring content as they can. Um, if not, I would gather that, they, that we'll get some kind of recap show. Um, but given... The, the deal they have with Fox, I would think that they're going to make a strong effort to try and give us as much in-ring content as they can uh, for, for this Friday, so who knows. But yeah, there's, um, there's no, as of right now, I have not heard of anything either way, whether they're filming or not filming for Friday, but they have enough NXT for the next few weeks, and they got Raw already recorded in the can for tonight, so. Wow. All right, well, we'll see how it goes. Next match of Fatal 5-Way Elimination Match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Bayley retaining uh, against Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. Uh, Lacey ended up uh, being the last one in there with Bayley. And um, Bayley had saved Sasha Banks earlier, pushing her out of the way. Um, but eating a woman's right. So Sasha Banks got eliminated. Um, yeah, and um, then Sasha Banks comes back and helps Bailey. Uh, she before Lacey Evans can hit the women's right, she comes in with the backstabber, and Bailey picks up the victory um, with her finisher as well. And uh, it looks like we got friends or lovers uh, storyline still continuing with uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. This has been going on for a long time. Yeah, this match wasn't bad. Um, no, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I, I liked the, the sequence at the end with, with Lacey's involvement uh, with, you know, Sasha and Bailey, um, and then the, the, the little mini match between Bailey and Lacey, the finish with Sasha getting involved and helping. Um, and, you know, even though she was taken out because of Bailey, and Bailey didn't help break up the pin, um, you know, to kind of save her own ass, it's obviously going to lead to something with the two of them. They're going to they're gonna further explore this. They're friends for now, but this will get revisited at some point. Um, I thought this was a, be- a this was a match. This, this match is better than I expected it to be. 
It really was. Um, I've not been the biggest Lacey Evans fan. Um, I think that her little Southern Belle gimmick is better suited as a heel, but they've done a solid job of trying to convince me that she's a, a baby face with the Sasha and Bailey kind of bullying and taunting. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I thought this was, I, I, it was better than I expected it to be. It really did. Um, and, uh, I kind of look forward to how they, um, they go off of the, uh, the Sasha Bailey, uh, friendship and the issues that they have moving forward. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. (sighs) Dude, this was amazing. Bray Wyatt the Fiend defeats John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match in 13 minutes. Man, this was a masterpiece. I was, I'm obsessed with this. I watched it again this morning. It's a great, it's a great thing. Like it, it runs through John Cena's entire career. He's in, he's entered the Funhouse, so he's in Bray Wyatt's the fiends area or domain, if you will. Um, yeah. And he essentially has to go through his entire career and then kind of relives Bray Wyatt's career. And then at the very end, a lovely touch. They finally have John Cena, quote unquote, turning heel where it's John Cena in NWO gear. Uh, that's symbolizing John Cena finally turning heel and getting angry and uh, uh, essentially punching out the fiend, but then the fiend appears, or uh, punching out Bray Wyatt, and then the fiend appears behind uh, John Cena and delivers the Sister Abigail and uh, Mandible Claw, and it's over. And uh, man, John Cena disappears from the frame. This was this was so wacky and fun, man. I, I loved it. What are your thoughts? Another one of those situations where you got to break the rules in order to entertain the people, especially during this this time of uncertainty. Um, I'll be honest with you. When I first watched it, I was trying to process it. I didn't I didn't hate it, but I I didn't have a reason to like it either when I was first watching it. Okay, and as time went on throughout the course of that thirteen minute presentation, it was I, things were starting. The pieces were starting to come together in my mind where I was like, "Ooh, I like this. Ooh, I like that." Ooh, they did this. Ooh, that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Um, now, the same people... Now, there are detractors from this match, okay? I've, I've spoken to a few people, some, some people that I converse with when it comes to wrestling, old friends of mine, um, who were not big fans of this. My wife didn't really understand it either. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, she's not a diehard like me. She's a casual fan, so she really couldn't make out what this was um and the same people that crap all over this are the same people that um praised the boneyard match from the previous evening okay the same people that are trying to find holes in the logic in this funhouse match because the fact that the bell never rang and it wasn't an official match and there was no referee to make the count etc etc are the same people that are ignoring the fact that Undertaker practically committed several felonies in his assault of AJ Styles and the OC and all those druids last night Uh or the night before okay (laughs) the same people that let's be honest here okay um for four decades Undertaker has been depicted as this supernatural, immortal human being that could disappear and come back at any given time and shoot lightning bolts and fire out of his hat, out of his hands, and out of his ass. Well, I and, was gonna say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
it was the same people that are trying to find holes in the logic of this funhouse match are ignoring everything that they have I guess fandomized as a wrestling fan when it comes to Undertaker okay so it's okay for Undertaker now Undertaker buried AJ Styles there was no official bell there was no referee there to to call for the end of the match you know what I mean Um, but yeah and how did Metallica play yeah, yeah. How did we get music and pyro and the big purple the Undertaker tea, symbol yeah. at the top of the house? You know what I mean? Like, come on now. Like, why weren't the cops called? You know? Right. Like, you want to talk holes in the logic that this wasn't an official match, um, yet you're going to praise the cinematic masterpiece that was the Boneyard match the previous evening? Come on. Give me a break. It was what it was, okay? Um, like I said, you had to entertain... You had to break the rules in order to entertain people during this. If you didn't like it, that's fine. That's not your cup of tea. But let's be realistic here, okay? Like, wrestling, there is no logic, okay? Right. There, there's only logic when you want it to be. You don't want to find... You, you, you don't want to find logic in this funhouse. It's what you make of it, okay? What I took away from this was that the Firefly Funhouse is an illusion within the mind of Bray Wyatt. And in this instance, Bray Wyatt's illusion controlled the insecurities and the fears of John, of John Cena, okay? This was all about Cena's failures or things that he was afraid of. His debut being a failure. His marriage being a failure. His bodybuilding career failing his fear of thinking he only got to the top because of his size and his physique his rap career not taking off his fear of failing of being a heel his fear of hitting bray with that chair his fear of wrestling fans hating on him for destroying the nexus when he was seen punching huskis the pig that was the reference Mm -hmm. his fear of retiring bray beat him by using his own words against him the minute john cena broke character and tried to right the wrong bray defeated him I thought it was tremendous. It was the best stuff that I had ever seen from a storytelling perspective. And if you would have rather seen Bray Wyatt and Cena lock up in a standard regular wrestling match, you definitely, definitely would have been missing out on some great storytelling. This was different in the best possible way. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, man, this was so good. I'm going to watch it again later. I think I will, too. It's a guilty pleasure now. Uh, So uh, (laughs) For sure. Moving on, um, yeah, I, I just, everything was perfect in that. Moving on, uh, Drew McIntyre defeating Brock Lesnar to become the WWE champion in 4 minutes and 35 seconds. Couple Claymore kicks, couple F5s in there. Um, decent match, solid stuff, hard hitting. Uh, Drew always goes in there 100 110% man he was on fire this entire time and then watching the documentary after on the WWE Network kind of gave me more insight into uh, his mindset he was like of course this would happen I mean every road I've been on I've gotten sidetracked but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to treat it like the fans and put them in my heart like I have all the time and I like the nice touch at the end with Drew McIntyre reaching out to the camera and saying thank you to the fans and uh, then really celebrating and getting into it and having his Wrestlemania moment against Brock Lesnar um, Drew you know hard hitting match this was a match that needed the audience to, to capture that moment Absolutely. I think um, the uh, I'll be honest with you um, his his moment of winning the title was a victim of circumstance unfortunately <laughs> um, and it kind of takes away 
that special moment for him. Um, you know, I almost, as much as I think he deserves it, I would have almost wanted to have seen him get it. You have that moment in front of a large audience. SummerSlam. Yeah, but we don't know when that's going to happen, so I get why they did it. Um, I thought for a second... I thought for a second in the match, I'm sorry, I thought for a second in the match that uh, he was going to lose. I was like, oh, my God, they're going to have him lose, and then um, he'll he'll have to go back at it at SummerSlam when they get everybody involved with, like, a crowd, you know? He, like yeah. This, yeah. So, um, overall, um, the, the, the match with Brock, like I said, I think, like, it needed an audience to, to react and give him that moment and really help make him. I'm not saying that like this title victory is tainted and this, you know, but the moment I guess for him that like really legitimizes him and, and puts his, you know, a stamp of approval for him in the main event of WrestleMania and in the main event picture of WWE as a top guy. I think it is tainted, unfortunately. Um, and that's not, that's not shitting on the effort of both performers it was what it was, okay? Like I've said throughout this whole process, um, they made the best of a really shitty situation. There's nothing more than I could say. Uh, and I just hope that moving forward that, uh, you know, once we do eventually get back to un- operating under normal circumstances, that, uh, you know, he'll get the proper celebration. Uh, his character will get the proper celebration and proper run that it deserves. Uh, so with that being said, overall, both nights, for me personally, um, it was the best that they could do. I'd give it a solid 9 out of 10. Um, there was some really hard-hitting stuff. There was some memorable stuff. There was some stuff that I didn't really care for. But there was overall, the effort was there. And, you know, we would be complaining that there was no WrestleMania if they didn't do this. So I'm, 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 I'm okay with the fact that they, they, put, they produced WrestleMania in this manner. And you know that we got to we got to take two nights out of the the reality that is this pandemic, and really, uh, you know, uh, go go forward and watch the show. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I think this goes without saying. Uh, this would not be on our top ten worst WrestleManias. This would probably go up there with one of the top ten for me. And now, like this was interesting. Um, I don't know. I'll go back to watch this a couple times, I know. Uh, But we'll see how long that'll last uh, with longevity Um, and see how the WWE holds up um, due to this lockdown and uh, see if Vince McMahon uh, finds a way to keep recording and giving us fresh content. But uh, I don't don't know how safe that is, but we we shall see. Um, Overall, yeah, I got to give it... uh, the same nine out of ten I, I was very impressed very impressed um all right dave well that's it that that was uh that was our wrestlemania 36 review um two nights it was fun it was it was something to look forward to do you think they'll do two nights again i think there's a good chance that they do two nights now i know that next year that they have tentatively scheduled the the uh the the new stadium in los angeles as the as the spot for wrestlemania Yes. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me, okay? Now, now, I know, now, knowing what I know about the process of how you get 
a wrestle how a city gets a WrestleMania. There's a bidding, and you, you put a bid in, and then if WWE accepts, you know, there's obviously these different terms and agreements that they have with the city when it comes to venues and you know how much WWE is going to get to or how much WWE has to pay for the rent to to rent this building and the stadium and the convention centers, hotels, etc. And so I feel like. There's a chance that they were to do a two-night WrestleMania, but I don't think they could fill a stadium for two nights, okay? I think, honestly, um, WrestleMania could be two nights if they did. Let's say, for instance, they go Los Angeles next year, okay? And Mm -hmm. they have that big, huge stadium, and they do WrestleMania night one in the Staples Center on Saturday, and they do night two in the stadium. Okay. Okay? I can picture that. All right, I can picture WrestleMania kind of going in that. Now that kind of changes up the schedule here because if you remember, you know, NXT. Friday night, Friday night SmackDown usually NXT takeovers on a Saturday. They were originally going to do the Hall of Fame on a Thursday this year, um, and then NXT was going to be on Saturday. They were going to have the SmackDown on Friday in the, the the arena in Tampa. I can picture them doing. Wednesday, NXT, live on TV, USA, is their takeover. Thursday's their Hall of Fame. Friday's SmackDown. Saturday is WrestleMania Night 1 in the Staples Center. Sunday is WrestleMania Night 2 in the stadium. Right on. Yeah, I I like it. I just can't see them trying to fit, trying to fill a stadium two nights in a row. Unless Vince McMahon really wants to, you know, crack that nut and give fans more bang for their buck and they pay you know uh, a middle of the road ticket fee to attend both nights inside the stadium but I can't see them doing that him, him losing all kinds of, I, I just don't think logistically and you know ethically and financially that that's something that WWE would want to do um, I don't think they would get their money back on their investment you know and all the all the, the money that they have in insurance and in, and in the city paying to have you know uh, cops on patrol and every, I just don't I don't see them doing two nights in a stadium two nights in a row in a stadium like that I think they would lose their shirt financially I really do but I definitely can see Wrestlemania night one in a smaller venue Wrestlemania night two in the stadium okay alright sounds good well uh, I think that about wraps it up for us for this episode huh yeah I, I, I think we've, we've covered everything uh, coast to coast nice um, good stuff I, I hope you stay quarantined and everybody keep up with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find Dave over on Facebook, searching Kicking Out at 2 with the number 2. You can always find him. Where else, Dave? Twitter. Our handle's at Kicking Out 2, K-I-C-K-N-O-U-T and the number 2, as well as Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching Retromania with a W. All of our uh, backlog archive shows are there, and uh, I, got, I got content up the ass that I'm going to be pumping out for you guys, um, you know, for the next several weeks or even months. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. Keep keep in the loop, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and I hope everybody stays safe. Dave, you stay safe. Yeah, same to you, brother. Wash hands and your asses. Wash your hands and your asses. Daddy.